Some days are terrible. You wish that you were dead, and some days are magical, like grape banana bread. Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads. The voices in our heads. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the voices in our <coughs> heads. I'm laughing because uh, I was c- c- compiling funny things that made me laugh to talk about on the podcast this week. Because um, that's the kind of mood I'm in. Hey, congrats on not killing yourselves. We're surviving. Are we thriving? You, we're trying. I'm a fucking poet. But there's this uh, TikTok trend. <laughs> there's this TikTok trend where you lay your phone down on a table and have your camera open to selfie mode and see what you look like when you like hover your fucking face over your camera (laughs) and it's just these people (laughs) they're looking at i'm watching one right now she's looking she's like oh she's horrified (laughs) isn't that the worst i mean seriously congrats i'm not killing yourself we should put that there should be a phone case where it has at the top of your phone so that anytime you accidentally open the camera and it's pointing towards you when you're like i don't want to see myself right now about carol it should say congrats on i killed yourself i it's crazy how much better you look when you're lying down versus when you're hovering your fucking face over your phone i mean it's just wild and then i was looking at (laughs) A couple weeks ago, I covered that one restoration fail of that statue. <laughs> that some person did a restoration on the statue that looked like a face originally, but then it just looked like Gumby. And then I was like, surely there's got to be more of this shit. Right? And there are. There's a brightside.me. It looks like some BuzzFeed ripoff. Um, but that's the website. It says eight eight restoration fails which shook the world. And I'm like, all right, you're being a little dramatic, but okay. Um, <laughs> the most sensual, sens- oh sorry, sensational case of an unsuccessful restoration occurred in Spain. 80 year old Cecilia Jimenez volunteered to restore the mural. That's what you get when you get a volunteer that you're not paying and they're 80 years old. To restore the mural with the image of Jesus in a local cathedral. (laughs) But for some reason, it did not look like the original at all. Perhaps the elderly woman's eyesight failed her. Yeah, or, you know, you hired a volunteer. You gotta pay somebody to do that shit. You can argue endlessly whether Cecilia is to blame or not. No, she's not. The church could have hired someone. Don't churches have money? They don't got to pay taxes. Well, that's in America, at least. On the on the one hand, the fresco was spoiled. On the other, the cathedral became known worldwide, and Cecilia is now called the new Goya. <laughs> and I'm looking at this painting. It was a before picture of clearly Jesus wearing one of those thorny little uh, crowns on his head. I, you know, I don't know religion. It's a fucking. It's that's exactly what it is. It's a crown of thorns. Don't look so fun. He doesn't look like he's having a good time either. And then the restoration. It just looks like a. It looks like a. I don't even know, man. They ain't no facial features. The eyes. So he's he's the Jesus has his head tilted. So his eyes, if you're looking straight on at the picture, are crooked. But if you you know you can see with the dimensions that the head is tilted. This new restoration just looks like Chunk from the Goonies, like Sloth from the Goonies. And he doesn't even got a mouth. The mouth looks like a butthole. (laughs) 
Cecilia. She tried. Cecilia, you're my. I'm down on my. Please don't restore anything in my church no more. Thank you for your time. Uh, yeah, that was really bad. That's a really bad restoration fail. Let's see if there's any other good ones. This one. Why did they restore? Oh, they restored this painting because it looked crackly, and then they just removed the lady's eyes. Well, you know, I feel like we'd be better off, honestly. A lightened painting. Uh, these aren't. See, these restoration fails aren't funny. God, give me the funny ones. Oh, <laughs> a basic one's called a baby with someone else's head. The sculpture of the vert. It's always religious shit <laughs> that gets fucked up. Isn't that a metaphor, huh? The sculpture of the Virgin Mary and baby Jesus in Sudbury, Canada, once suffered at the hands of vandals. The baby's head was chipped off and stolen. I mean, if you're going to do that, you can have it. Artists, artist Heather Wise volunteered. Do you see a pattern? Do you see a pattern? Volunteered. She didn't take no course on this shit. Clearly. To make a new head, but the results of her work look more than strange and provoked discontent among the locals. <laughs> yeah, you might say. <laughs> but in the end, Heather's actions played a positive role. The man who stole the real head got embarrassed and brought it back. The sculpture was restored. <laughs> so wait a second. This sculpture, it sees the before picture is the Virgin Mary. Sure. She's got a cute little butt chin and this fucking baby. Do I think she was a virgin? No, I don't. But hey, whatever. And then the after part, this the the statue is made of white rock or cement or whatever. It's white. It's it's a t- light tan color. The whole thing, the whole statue, because it's a statue, so it's all the same color. The baby head that got replaced was made out of a terracotta pot because it's like pinkish brown, and it is the head of a monster. It looks like when a baby crowns, but if I was giving birth to a demon with one of those fucking thorny crowns that the Jesus from the earlier painting was wearing. It looks terrible. It looks really bad. I'll put that on the resource section on my website if you're curious. I also post, um, I have our assistant Emily makes uh, these little montages every week for the voices in our heads that I post on my Instagram. I'll put these two pictures, the before and afters that I talked about in there so you can see. But that's really funny. So the guy who stole it probably saw this shitty ass fucking volunteer devil head on baby Jesus and he was like oh man you can have it back I'm good <laughs> that's so funny to me that's so fucking funny oh my god oh my god um okay so I know we're feel your feelings January and I am still determined to feel my feelings don't you worry I did go back on the weed I decided that I wanted it and I always make these rules for myself and then if I don't stick to them, I feel terrible. And then it's like, am I using that to as an excuse to feel terrible, even though I really don't want to feel terrible, but me secretly, like, I do want to feel terrible? No! All right, well, I think yes. That's very rude. Uh, so I, I was like, I got what I wanted to get out of the no smoking weed part. I really did. And for me, I know everybody has a different relationship with weed. Let me tell you about my relationship with weed, because it's a good one, and I really like it. Uh, for me, weed is not an escape. Okay. I'm drinking my coffee. Ah, It's not an escape. For me, weed is a mode of transportation to go deeper inside myself. And I realized too, through not smoking weed, I think it's really good to give yourself a reset anyway, um, that I really, when I smoke weed at night, is when I smoke it. 
I was it was leaking into my daytime and I was like, I don't like that. Unless I'm like smoking and going rollerblading, that it's really fun. But I don't like I don't do not enjoy being with other people and being stoned. I don't like that. Um I used to, but I'm like, nah, it's just it's me time. And I realize, you know, when I smoke weed at night, it's a very special time. It's a very beautiful special time in my evening. Cause it's just me and Kevin. And I always do things for my inner child. I always color or I just I dance. And I got to say, dancing sober, it's possible, but it's not as fun for me. <laughs> I like having a little weed in me because uh, I feel like it just allows me to be a little freer, a little looser, and stop taking everything so god damn seriously, uh, god. Uh. Um, but yeah, clear, weeds, a lot. the way I do it, it clears a path for me to see what, if anything, I have to confront, any feelings. And let me tell you something, last night... I'm still, I'm still not talking to my parents, and I, but I, I was the other a couple nights ago. I was crying because I was like, I really miss them. I miss my, I miss my mommy and daddy, even though they're not nice to me sometimes. And that'll make you want to smoke weed. <laughs> but last night, I, uh, I don't know. I was just thinking, and I'm like, I, 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 the okay. So this is the last I'm going to talk, be talking about the Dow fully feeling because we're ending the feel your feelings January month. Uh, it's an excellent book. I really suggest that you buy it, get it on Kindle, get it on Audible, get it out of your butt, whatever. But the books that I'm going to be going into the next couple months, <laughs> holy shit, it's going to blow, talking about childhood trauma, frankly, for me, out of the water. Um, you really, guys, you're really on this journey. I'm, I'm kind of making it up as I go. But I'm really digging into some new stuff and discovering some new authors and new concepts and new frames of thinking that I'm like, oh, that's how I, yeah, I fucking figured that was true and it is. Y'all, magic is real. And you know what? I don't even give a shit if you believe me or not. I feel sad if you don't because why not have fun? Earth is a school, you guys. Earth is a school. We're in these bodies, okay? Have fucking fun. And love love yourself and love others. That's the point of being on Earth. I really sincerely believe that with every bone in my body. And smoke a goddamn doobie, okay? If you want to. You know what's best for you. That's the thing. We turn to podcasts, which, I mean, if you're turning mine, good for you. You have really good taste. We turn to self-help books, which is very beneficial. We turn to our friends. We turn to family. We turn to escapes to forget about all the shit. But really, we really do have the answers inside ourselves. And what I'm saying is sometimes when I smoke weed, I, I answers come to me. And I'm like, well, this is fun. I like this. But it's very specific. It's a very specific set of circumstances. Because it has to be late at night. I have to be by myself. I don't want anybody else around. This is very special me time. And um, yeah, I've just been dealing with some feelings. And you know what? I'm going to go into that in a second. Because right now, I want to get this not out of the way as if it's a burden. But I want to I wanna do some funnies before we get into the wah, wah, wah. We're going to do some ha-has, okay? You know what time it is. It's time for some fuckboy theater. You know. <laughs> I did get a BFA in acting. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Okay, so this is a text conversation between a guy named <laughs> and a girl. Uh, I guess they matched a while ago, texted, and then didn't text since or something. They've never met up in person. 
okay, ready? Are you prepared for this? Are you prepared for this, listener? Yeah, you. You working on any spreadsheets? What are you doing? Hey, what's up? Who's this? Luther. You remember me at all? LOL. Oh, yeah. What's up, man? No shit. Saw you post on Insta. Looking cute as hell. Just seeing how you were. I'm good. I just turned 36, and I got a place downtown back in October. I am old. Ha <laughs> ha. I'll be 30 in May, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> you still live in Iowa City? I think if I remember right. Nope, that's probably one of the other girls. LMAO, sure. It's okay. Knowing you, woman, you probably have five dudes waiting to come over on command. Crying laughing face emoji. So, when are we going to finally meet? That's a fantastic assumption, but I have none, and that's by choice. Haha, <laughs> same here. <laughs> Fucking liar. I've been over dating for a long time. I'm headed back from Iowa City to CR. I don't know what that means. Had to do a service call for work. My replies might slow down. Still pretty bad out. So you were in Iowa City and texted me because you thought I lived in Iowa City? Well, plus I, I haven't heard from you, so I wanted to see how you were. Sheesh. And then he sends a meme, like a, like a, yeah, a meme of a picture from some movie that I don't know. And the sentence on the meme reads, you're such a little brat. Shots fired. And then she says, that is not a word that describes any part of me. LOL. I love the cunty. LOL. You kind of are, though. It's cute. I dig it. Nah, you spell bitch wrong. Also, I added sexy because you are to me. I still enjoy your looks, ma'am. Oh, well, thank God. More to someone than looks. That's why I'm trying to know more and at least get back to knowing stuff about you. Unless that's a problem. What would you like to know? Do you know my first name? Um, I don't. I have you saved under cute girl with glasses, LMAO. I saved it after we already stopped talking. Let's start fresh. I'm Luther. Nice to meet you, smiley face. I just want to know you, LOL. You guys remember when he just said that she was looking cute on Instagram? You know what you can find on Instagram? A person's name! Okay, I know your name. You don't know my first name, LMAO. How did you think this would play out? This is a fucking hilarious attempt. Five stars. Crying laughing base emoji. LMAO, shut the fuck up and let's start over, bitch. And that's a wrap on that fuck boy. Yeah, what a way, what a way to end, right? I mean, man, people really can't handle any semi, any situation where you kind of have to think a little bit. love farts okay and then this is a fuckboy bio oh this guy this this white man named tanner i mean guess what he's doing in his first picture on his profile this is his profile tanner guess what tanner's doing in his picture y'all i feel like you can know what he's doing because you're smart he's holding a fish that he just caught bonus if you know what's in his mouth it's a cigar Ooh, Tanner fishes and smokes. I'll brag about you to my friends if... And he wrote, You veil at mass. I don't know what the fuck that means, Tanner. You veil at mass? Hold on, let me Google this. You veil, V-E-I-L, at mass. 
Types of women who veil at mass. Oh, God. Tanner. Tanner, I hate you. I hate you. Imagine you're a millennial Catholic woman. (coughs) You are at mass, kneeling at the altar rail. Oh, God. Waiting to suck Christ's dick. Waiting to receive Christ in the Eucharist. All right, same thing. As you peer at the high altar through your lace mantilla, your heart burns with love. Well... This sound okay, and be, into be, your back burns the searing hot gaze of that weird dude in the pew behind you. Oh my god, is this article about Tanner? I literally googled the phrase that he wrote in his bio, you veil at mass, and this article is that, okay, I'll keep going, I'm just surprised. And into your back burns the searing hot gaze of that weird dude in the pew behind you, the one who was once cornered you after confession to let you know your modesty is smoking hot. Wait, is this like Catholic sluts? I love this. I am not making this up. That really did happen to a friend of mine. Well, it seems like I know the guy who it was looking at you and it was Tanner. Well, look at that little mystery I just solved, boys and girls and they's and thems. That's crazy. Oh my God, this is an article. Ew, about like creepy guys looking at women as they're veiling at mass? Okay, well anyway, Tanner... Tanner will brag about you if you veil at mass. Wow, I really learned something new today. Uh, he's a teacher. Yay. Okay. He's a Christian. Oh, but he's a Christian who kills deers. Because in this photo, he is... Oh, God, this makes me so fucking sad. You know what? Go fuck yourself, Tanner. I hope one of the uh, antlers of that buck that you're holding in your hand, you're holding the buck's head in your hand in this picture with the gun leaning on the deer. I hope you accidentally sit in one of those and it goes up your butthole and your intestines crinkle together and you got to get a colostomy bag. I mean, or I just hope you find it in your heart to not kill deer, but hey, whatever. Something that's non-negotiable for me is... My faith. Ooh, surprises. He's fools with surprises and quick right turns. You should not go out with me if. <laughs> this one this one threw me for a loop. And I'm like, Tanner, I know you probably don't think women should talk. <laughs> but this one threw me for a loop. You should not go out with me if you're wearing a mask in one of your photos. <laughs> and that's a wrap on Fuckboy Theater. Thank you so much. I did get a BFA in acting and I'm using it. Wouldn't you say? I think I am. Oh my God. Ew. You know, I was going to go on this, back on those dating apps and I was like, no, I'm okay. Oh, but I wrote down some of the thoughts I had when I was smoking the weed last night. Because I was meditating. I meditate every night. And I took a bath. Because, like, what else are you going to do, you know? I took a bath, and I was just sitting there thinking, and I was like, I really want to write a letter to my parents. I want to write an email to my parents, because <laughs> I've been mailing letters out to people. Like, people I have to pay, I'll mail them a physical check. I like the old-fashioned shit, you know? And I can keep track of it. Well, I can't keep traffic, track of the letter, clearly, because it's just a stamp. But I mail things, and then none of no one's getting these checks that I'm mailing people out, and I'm like, what the fuck, Postal Service? I mean, I love you, but come on. So I was going to write a letter to my parents. I'm like, well, I'm going to write them an email. So I'm going to write an, an email. But I was thinking last night, I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm ready to write them an email. And I really want to just be very loving and start with I love you and I miss you. Because that's true. I do think that. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm going to tolerate getting treated like shit. <laughs> One of the things that I wrote down, I wrote, I wrote down all these gems. I was like, this is what I'm going to say. And this is what I'm going to say. And then I'm going to say this. And I felt really good about everything and nothing was fueled by anger, but it was very 
Boundaries, bitch. Boundaries, bitch. Okay? Boundaries are loving. I was hosting a um, 90 minute kind of like a group sharing session on it was called mommy issues i did it with my friend donna for the donna's and it was a bunch of uh people who all had you know fucked up relationships with their mom and i started the class i was like i knew what what was gonna i knew how it was gonna go because i hear people's stories all the time and when i was going to adult child children of alcoholic or dysfunctional families those meetings in new york i you know sometimes you hear about stories from people's relatives and sometimes it's just how what's going on in the inner world of people but I, I you know i knew because it's a themed thing so if you're coming to this class i don't call it class you know you're gonna share stuff about your fucked up mom or your mom your mom and it's not all gonna be sunshine and rainbows and ponies now isn't it and i said at the top of the class thing i said look i've heard everything okay so please don't think that your story is not, you know, not severe enough or too severe that no one can handle it. We can all handle it because bad things happen and we can handle that because we can move because that will allow us to move past it. And I said, uh, you know, I've heard everything from my mom emotionally neglected me, which is a big fucking thing. But because it doesn't give you bruises, visible bruises, we go, you're fine. And that's, you know what that is? That's a old bunch of... It's that. That's what that is. And I said, I've also heard stories of mothers um, knowing that their boyfriend or their husband uh, sexually abuses their child and they ignore it and they choose to not believe their child. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. So no story is too much for us, for this group. It's not. And no story is not enough. Like, it's, there's no such thing. Because whatever your story is, it's your story. And it's you. And you're uniquely you. But I said, I, I said, you know, we're all doing something pretty amazing tonight, which is something that our parents, I don't think they'll ever do. I would love if they did. Great. But it's I, I think it's a, a dead end to kind of hope that they will. But we have the opportunity to end a cycle that has been going on for a very long time in our family lines, whether you're adopted or whether it was a guardian or a parent or a grandparent being treated a certain way has generation you could generational roots it just does and so what we're doing by being curious about this shit and being willing to be kind of talk about sad stuff is we are creating uh, an opportunity to stop that cycle for the first time in hundreds of years and isn't that fucking fun it is so and that's what you're doing everybody who's uh, sent me voice memos thank you so much by the way I'm gonna put them up I'm cutting I'm figuring out uh, cutting them up together but I'm gonna do I'm gonna put them up on a video on Instagram your no information no personal information will be um, that all and I'm just taking little clips of, of people um, but you'll see like uh, a lot of similarities a lot of similarities and a lot of pain and it's good to, um, you know, when I did that class with the mommy issues thing and everyone was going around, we had like, I did, the format I did was, you know, two minutes, the timer go off in two minutes and then when you hear it, you just kind of wrap up. Um, and you just share, uninterrupted, just say whatever's on your mind. And that's what the adult children meetings would do and I thought that was really valuable. So that helped me too because I'm like, damn, we're all, this is all fucked up, huh? <laughs> and it is, it is fucked up. But how you march forward doesn't have to be fucked up. Ah, I love coffee. 
So some, anyway, some of the other gems that I wrote, because I was like, yeah, I'm going to write them an email. Um, I wrote down, I know you love me, but I need you to respect me. And I wrote, I'm reading these verbatim, and I typed these as I was stoned. So just to give you an idea of my beautiful brain when it's high, it's, I like it a lot. I like it when it's not high, too. Um, but it's just a nice little dip of uh, going in deeper that I like. Uh, I wrote the pandemic. This is what I'm planning on writing to my parents. The pandemic has afforded me the, a much needed opportunity, much needed time by myself that I didn't realize I desperately needed. I've meditated every single day since last March and a lot of emotions came up that I finally had the tools to deal with. Um, oh, and this is one I wrote and I wrote it down and I started crying my fucking butthole off. I wrote, if you knew, to my parents, if mom and dad, if you knew how hard I've been working on myself, you would be so proud of me. And you know what? I don't care what they say to that. I just need to say this stuff. You know what I mean? It's about me. And, and, and also, well, I'll get to that in a second. I started writing down what all the things that I've done because I hadn't talked to them and I would usually update them on my life. I would always update them on my life when I talked to them. But it was kind of in a desperate way of like, see, I'm doing really good. And I felt like I had something to prove because my mom always pinned me in a corner and thought I was a drug addict or thought I was uh, bipolar or thought I was like, uh, just thought I was all these things that I'm just not. I mean, the addiction part, I did struggle with that. But like the, when I say she thought I was a drug addict, like, I don't know what she thought, but she thought the worst, like I'm fucking turning tricks for some heroin needles or something. Because that's certainly the severity with which she spoke. And that's the theme my whole life. It's been my whole life. And all I've been doing is existing. And she's reacted so fucking severely to my existence. And I will never allow her to ever penetrate the bubble of happiness and joy and contentment that I've worked so goddamn hard since March to cultivate. That's not the part I'm saying to her. But I should maybe. I don't know. But I, I, wrote, I started writing down all these things I did over quarantine that they didn't know about. And I'm like, well, God damn it, Christina, you did really good. And it's important to give yourself props. I really think it is. Because if you're not going to give yourself props, who's gonna? And then, you know, you can't, you can't have your self-esteem based off other people giving you props. You got to give yourself props. Even though your girl loves an award. That's for sure. Uh, but I said, I released two short films. I wrote the script for my next short film. It's going to be real fucked up, by the way. I learned TikTok which I did and that was really hard I've read a lot of books I acquired new skills I play piano every day sometimes for hours I co-taught a cooking class I led a 90 minute workshop on trauma I wrote and produced a nativity play that we did a live reading on on Christmas night I helped find a dead guy's dead body in the East River Christmas night well, actually he wasn't dead at the time I featured for David Tell on New Year's Eve Corinne and I are moving forward on one of the most exciting opportunities we've ever had since her and I started working together 10 years ago and I just wrote all this stuff and I'm like god damn girl you're doing good it's about parenting yourself and cheering yourself on and giving yourself what you need I know it sounds fucking lame as hell but it feels good so I'm telling you that's and that's the uh, the chapter that I'm going to read, um, possibly chapters, depending on how much time we have. Um, chapter nine of the Dowfully Feeling about self-compassionate reparenting. Oh, so good. This book's so good. But then I was going to email them and then my brother calls me today. I fucking love my brother. And if you, oh God, thank God for siblings. Seriously. I know if you don't have a good relationship with a sibling, hey, I get it. Don't worry about it. But I do. And I, thank God, give me one thing that's good with a family member, please. And that's my brother. I love my brother. 
and he called me today and we, when he calls i love talking to him he has a, my nephew his son who he fucking loves so much he's such a good dad Ugh. and he and he my so my parents when i first started making money with like I, I'd been making mo- like money meaning like I didn't have to live paycheck to paycheck for like a couple years at that point and then the luminary deal Corinne and I went to luminary that was a year-long decision that took us to make and we put a lot of thought into it um, and but one of the one of the pluses to that was a really fucking wonderful paycheck that I would never have dreamt up in my whole life and so I was so excited the first thing I did <laughs> when I got that first deposit was I wired the money to my father and we created an LLC and I purchased half 50% of the, this beach house that they live in in New Jersey because they were going to move to Florida because that's what they could afford. And I'm like, no, don't you don't know anybody in Florida. Move here. Move to New Jersey. And we grew up on in this beach town. We grew up going there, my brother and I, and, and Brantley loves the house. He loves my parents. And he, it's right by the Ferris wheels. And it's just a, such a beautiful, you walk into the house and you're like, yeah, this vibe is sick. The house has good energy, man. Rarely do I walk into a place and I'm like, oh, I feel on top of the goddamn world. This house has that. So anyway, I took all the money I got, the second I got it, wired it to my father. And it's an investment for me. Because I own 50% of this LLC. So I own half of the property. But I wanted them to be close. <clears throat> and so my brother calls me. And I was like, oh, you know, it's funny you called DJ. Because I was, I, was, I, I was thinking of exactly what I wanted to say to mom and dad. And it's very loving. And I'm, you know what's different about this time? I'm not married to an outcome. Because... They could call me, uh, they've never called me, but if they call me like a stupid bitch, they could, they could tell me I ruined their, live, their lives. They could tell me I'm selfish, drug addicts, turning tricks for a dick or something or whatever. <laughs> I haven't had sex in a year, but you know, I'm not side's point. They could say whatever the craziest thing that I could think of or the most loving response that I could think of. And it doesn't matter because I'm saying what I need to say and I'm saying it lovingly. And then he tells me, <laughs> I was like, he goes, well, uh, mm, and I'm like, oh, what, what, what? He's like, mom, mom wants to sell the house and she wants you to sign over. And I'm like, oh, okay. And right away, you know, a lot of this workshop that I did with Donna, with all these people with mom issues, one common theme, a lot of mothers with uh, displaying characteristics of, I am not a psychologist, of borderline personality disorder or some type of narcissism, some type of my, if I can't get a reaction out of you, then I'm gonna, if I can't get love out of you, then I'll get hate out of you. I'm gonna piss you off. If I can't get anything out of you, if you're blocking me, then I'm gonna sell the house and piss you off. And I right away when he told me that, the new me was like, I know exactly what she's doing with that move. She's not selling the house. It's okay. She just feels powerless right now because I'm not speaking to her. But I'm going to be speaking to her and it's going to be okay. And I'm not going to let her do that. Because my brother was like, you know, Brantley loves, that's like his, Brantley's a little kid. It's this one, it's this beautiful childhood memory that he has is this house and spending time with everybody. And she said she wanted to sell the house because it reminds me, her of me. And I'm like, all right, okay. I am too much, you hold me on a pedestal that's far too high for anybody to earn. And also, you need to be able to control your own... You need to be able to get to a place of feeling good without me. 
or without without every relationship in your life being great because conflicts arise it happens so I, but i was very proud of myself because the new me was very loving and not reactive to that news the old me would have been like are you fucking kidding me she just fucking feels so bad for herself and and and, and let me tell you something when i react all those times i reacted that way that i felt that i felt the rage of 1,000 trillion billion suns flare up inside of my skin anytime something, a bomb like that would be dropped on me. And it was often. And so one of the things, that's why I fucking me- recommend you goddamn meditate all the time. That meditating has done is allowed me to be less reactive. And so when he told me that, because I was like, I'm going to write this real loving letter. And he's like, well, they want to sell a house. I'm like, okay, um, you know what? <laughs> it's okay. And I was like, well, God damn it, Christina. You did it. You passed the test. That is not to say that I will always react cool and calmly and lovingly in the future, because I know I won't. But I will not take that as a moving backwards, that a sign that I'm moving backwards, and I guess all the work I did on myself was for shit. It was just for... It was for... <laughs> the lingering one that's my favorite oh. <laughs> so yeah I just I'm very proud of that reaction and I wanted to share it with you because I uh, as your girl's very reactive and she gets very mad and I really hate when people feel victimy and sorry for themselves I understand it's a human reaction to a point everybody's gonna feel that way with a lot of things that arise that are difficult but then you gotta snap out of it and you gotta fix it. You gotta fix it. You gotta fix it. You gotta fix it. You stupid fuck. Just fix it. It's, it's you know, harder to do than how I present it. But I'm fixing it. So if I can fucking fix it, you can fix it. You can end the cycle of bullshit and stop treating all the people in your life in mean ways that your mommy and daddy treated you. Because, poof. Uh, let me tell I my brother has said to me for a while he said you know when ever since I had my son mom and dad cannot get to me it nothing matters except him but you know a lot of times they they stop seeing him because they're sad that I'm not talking to them and I'm like whoa 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 now you're affecting the kid's life Uh uh-uh nah and that's what pissed my brother off and I'm like yeah because that makes me mad for all the times that they did it to me that they did it to you and now that they're doing to this beautiful angel of a perfect baby boy so but doesn't matter. It's I, I know exactly the mechanisms at play here, and I'm not surprised. And I feel like I have a solid foundation to stand on. I don't know if any of that made any sense, but uh, yeah, I feel good about it. <laughs> also, you gotta laugh. If you don't laugh, you'll fucking die. I swear to God. Google after this. Google restoration fails or something, or or, or that TikTok trend. What's the hashtag? I don't think there's a hashtag for it, but it's just lay your phone down and <laughs> people are so disgusting with themselves. <laughs> it's not a good look, I gotta say. It's really a terrible angle. <laughs> um, but yeah, happy Feel Your Feelings January, guys. Um, we're gonna talk about chapter nine. I'm gonna read it. And it's called Self-Compassionate Reparenting. Oh, well, doesn't that sound like a nice, comfy little blanket by the fireplace and you're holding a cup of hot cocoa that's made with oat milk so you didn't shit your pants later? That sounds nice. <laughs> uh. 
forgot, forgot I use regular milk. Here's some quotes at the top of the chapter. Actual child abuse always reflects a lack of connection to and respect for the internal or psychic child. Robert Stein. Okay. I don't really know what that means. The real value of psychoanalysis is to improve parenting. Sigmund Freud. Ooh, that guy's famous. You remember Sigmund Freud? When people yell Freudian slip when you accidentally say something and it pisses you off because you know it's true and you're like, fuck you. I didn't want a mirror held to my fucking face right now, Todd. I just wanted to have a drink with a fucking stranger. And he's like, I'm going to go. You're too much. And I'm like, I know. I've been told. In every ch- adult, there lurks a child, an eternal child, something that is always becoming, is never completed, and calls for unceasing care, attention, and education. That is the part of the human personality which wants to develop and become whole. Carl Jung. Self-compassionate reparenting is a term I have coined, ooh, good for you, Daddy Walker, to describe my approach to remothering and refathering the inner child. When we practice self-compassionate reparenting, we identify and provide for the unmet needs of the childhood, of our childhood, so that we can grow into more complete, life-loving human beings. And that's a great goal. Self-reparenting rescues us from being needlessly frozen in old childhood fear and deprivation. When we understand how childhood abuse and neglect left us developmentally, developmentally arrested, empathy naturally arises and motivates us to care for and protect ourselves. Well, that's the phase I'm going through now. Isn't that convenient? I didn't read this chapter yet. I'm just reading it as I, which is new. I'm just reading this. I mean, I've read this book a bunch, but I didn't review it before I read it because I was like, I'm going to give you my natural ass reactions. As this occurs, we commonly discover that our maturation process was suspended at various different stages of development and that we have a number of inner child children awaiting our kindness and protection. Among these are the inner infant, inner toddler, inner preschooler, and so on. These distinctions are important because children have different needs at different developmental stages, and these correspond with a variety of different reparenting tasks. Get your notebooks out. Many survivors are uncomfortable with the concept of the inner child because they were forced at an early age to become miniature adults and to hate their childlike characteristics as much as their parents did. Yeah. Survivors who did not like their inner children, or children in general for that matter, are often those who are not liked as children. Many of us were so traumatized for being and acting childlike that we had to move from toddlerhood to adulthood in astoundingly brief periods of time. Various combinations of shame, punishment, and abandonment forced us to forfeit childhood and to act like grown-ups even before we were ready for school. Hal and Cedra Stone elaborate on this, quote, perhaps the most universally disowned self in our civilized world is the vulnerable child. Yet this vulnerable child may be our most precious subpersonality, the closest to our essence, the one that em- enables us to become truly intimate, to fully experience others and to love. You know, I got to work on my intimacy because I thought is everybody that I was dating had intimacy issues. But guess what, y'all? I've had time to think. I think it's your girl that has intimacy issues. Oops. <laughs> hey, you live and you earn. I don't, I'm not saying I'm right about shit. I'm probably wrong about most stuff, but I'm learning and I'm growing. Anyways, when a child is not allowed to be a child, she abandons herself and banishes it to her unconscious and tries to behave like an adult. 
Many of us find it difficult to get an authentic sense of our inner child because that part of ourselves is still hiding somewhere out of awareness, much like the actual child who had to hide in closets or bedrooms to escape abuse. The child self often stays sequestered in the unconscious because the adult survivor, like his biological parents, reviles it whenever it emerges into awareness seeking help or attention. Inner children everywhere languish in the unconscious awaiting our compassion for their terrible plight. Self-compassionate reparenting begins with the decision to love our inner child and protect them from self-abuse. Ooh, quick tip from your girl, not from Daddy Walker. Fucking great ways to do this, like to just be that, because that's why I like my time with weed at night. It's all inner child shit. I color, I goddamn dance, I play piano, I look, I just stare at Kevin and watch him breathe. And it's fucking great. Anyway, as with healthy parenting, self-compassionate reparenting is a complex, multidimensional task, the full exploration of which is outside the scope of this book. More global information on self-reparenting is contained in Jeremy Abrams' excellent collection of writings on the subject, Reclaiming the Inner Child. Well, I'll have to read goddamn that. For the purpose of becoming more fully feeling, we will focus here primarily on the emotional tasks of the reparenter. And that's you, Stu. These constellate around two crucial goals, the recovery and ongoing development of our inborn sense of self-acceptance and the re-establishment and strengthening of our instinctive sense of self-protection. I find it useful to label these two tasks as self-mothering and self-fathering, respectively. These are t- there are two reasons for this. The first is that this somewhat sp- um, spe- specious? Wait. The first is that this somewhat specious? It's spell weird. Is that a spelling error? I did find one spelling error in a book once, and I was like so proud of myself. Distinction helps clarify the differences between the two key processes of emotional caretaking. And here are those two keys. Unconditional love and unrelenting self-protection. And goddamn, if I didn't get that... Oh, God. That's another thing I should tell them in my letter. I thought that their love was conditional because that's what they made me feel. Um, uh, and unrelenting self-protection, which has its roots in the emotion of anger. The second is that the inner child often, let me turn the page, hold on, it's the floppy book. Now now I'm nervous about it and it's going to take me longer. Expects to receive these two different types of emotional support along traditional gender lines. But gender is a bunch of bullshit, y'all. So if you don't comply to it, I don't. you do you. Whatever you want to do. But if you feel like girly as fuck, you be girly as fuck. If you're a manly man, do that. But make sure you feel. And then if you're non-binary, hell yeah. Do whatever. Although these distinctions are sexist and false. Okay, good. Thank you, Daddy Walker. The inner child is often not capable of being politically correct about them. He often dreams of having a mommy who is tender and a daddy who stands up for him. Once again, I make this distinction as a teaching aid. And whether or not you find it useful, you can uh, become your own key source of both loving tenderness and fierce protectiveness, regardless of your gender. Oh, I'm glad he talks about that. Men can imagine themselves rocking or breastfeeding their inner inner infant, just as a woman can imagine themselves fighting off anyone who is threatening their inner child. Well, I'll do that all goddamn day. With my big cock. This is similar to what occurs in a functional family. Ooh, what's that like? Both biological parents share in the mothering and fathering of their children, and both move easily and flexibly between the roles of tenderness and strength. Well, that sounds way too healthy, and I've never met anybody who's experienced that, but maybe it's possible. 
I am happy and heartened to see many of my friends who are parents moving towards a greater balance in these roles. Oh, you know what? Though my brother does that. He's such a good dad. Reparenting begins with forgiveness, forgiving the inner child. It sometimes seems outlandish to me that we need to forgive children in us who were so innocent and undeserving of blame. What a cruel irony that we need to forgive the blameless. Yet we must let our inner child children know that we forgive them because like our parents, we have been blaming since time immemorial. immemorial. Real forgiveness, we will see in chapter 13, uh, begins with the self. Forgiving our inner children is a powerful avenue into self-forgiveness. In the words of self-esteem guru Nathaniel Brandon, Oh my God, it's all coming together, y'all, Daddy Brandon! Quote, when, oh my God, it's so fun. When we learn to forgive the child we once were for what he or she didn't know or couldn't do or couldn't cope with or felt or didn't feel. When we understand and accept that child was struggling to survive the best way he or she or they or them could, then the adult self is no longer in adversarial relationship to the child self. One part is not at war with another part. Well, that's, that's he just described my youth. That last sentence. I'm at war with myself. Come inside my head. It's a living hell. I just made that up. Our inner child's heart, broken by a dearth of compassionate mothering, begins to heal when we turn inward with unconditional love and forgiveness. We add substance to the self-mothering by offering the child ongoing tenderness, listening, affection, and unconditional love. Consistency in such practice is what allows our inner child to truly feel forgiven. Oh, you know what? I just thought of something. That's why I'm so fucking hard on myself about everything. Everyone's, everyone my whole life's always been like, why are you so fucking hard on yourself? They didn't say fucking when I was a kid. And I'm like, I don't know, bitch. Go away. And I didn't say that, but I said it in other words. But teachers have always been like, you're so hard on yourself. Therapists, friends, everybody I know is always, and I'm like, well, shut the fuck up. I don't know. And it, do you think it's fun? No, it's not fun. And if I want to change, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Get real defensive. But uh, I just, because I, I was striving for my parents to love me the way I needed to love me, so I really worked hard to be perfect. That's why. Well, I just made that connection. We also enhance forgiveness by championing our inner child in a father-like way. We do this by using anger and blame to fight off internal or external aggression. Such, such actions prove to the child that she is not only forgiven, but also no longer subject to unfair blame. And that is a heaven I would like to walk into. The efficacy of our reparenting is further enhanced by providing our inner child with uh, our inner child, the verbal, spiritual, and emotional nurturance outlined in Appendix A. And let me tell you something. I'm the end of the episode on that. And whew, get ready to cry, baby boys. When we give our inner children love, understanding, and protection consistently over time, they begin to shed their horrible burdens of fear, shame, and emptiness. As we become more successful in resisting the shaming and terrorizing attacks of our internalized critical parents, our inner children begin to feel safe enough to come forth in all their vital wonder and beauty. Normal qualities of human existence like joy, ooh, peacefulness, mm, friendliness, ah, spontaneity, brr, <laughs> and playfulness, naturally begin to reemerge as we master the practice of reparenting. Uh, side note too, I'm sober as fuck. I'm just drinking a lot of coffee. My inner child is now free to reward me liberally with his childlike exuberance because years of consistent support during the difficult and painful times 
have convinced him that I am truly there for him. One of the most precious gifts I received from my inner child came through dialogue with him about the past, his vivid recollections of the joyfulness of time spent in nature in playing sports inspired me to reevaluate these godsends of my youth into high priorities in my life. Nathaniel Brandon, oh my God, it's so fun, testifies to the attainability of this type of experience. Quote, recognized, accepted, embraced, and thereby integrated, a child's self can be a magnificent resource that enriches our lives with its potential for spontaneity, playfulness, and imaginativeness. Ooh. Talking to and for the inner child. The way I treat my inner child is the way I'm going to treat my outer child. Robert Stein. We heal ourselves with self-fathering when we use our anger and blame to challenge inner messages of shame and self-hate. Speaking up in a protective way for your inner child makes it safe enough for her to once again inhabit consciousness. You might begin from... Uh, you might benefit from reviewing the self-talk techniques in Chapter 7 that show us how to protect our inner child from the attacks of the inner critical parent. Toxic shame often erupts with no warning. Yeah, you could tell me that twice and thrice. I try to father and defend my child at such times by rejecting these echoes of my parents' shaming messages. I explain to him that my parents have and had no rights to talk to him that way. If I have numbly repeated the lies and shamings of old authority figures, I apologize to him and recommit to eliminating this old self-destructive habit. I usually supplement my self-fathering with the kind of mothering that feels feeds self-esteem with positive and supportive statements. I imagine my inner child sitting on my lap or resting in my heart. I remind him that he is absolutely am eminently lovable just as he is and then i soothe him with words of this nature oh and this is like a little letter to his inner child y'all i love to have you near me pete you are such a joy to me i love it when you talk to me and tell me how it is for you i want to hear everything you have to say <clears throat> excuse me i want to be the person you can come always come to whenever you need help you can come to me when you are hurting, when you just want company, or when you want to play. You are always welcome. You are a delight to my eyes. I always enjoy having you around. You are a good boy. Very special and absolutely worth worthy of love, respect, and all the good things. Ooh, guys, pretend like this is a letter to you, okay? This is good stuff. I am so proud of you. Yeah, you. You listening to this. I'm so proud of you and so glad that you are alive. I will help you in any way that I can. I want to be the loving mom and dad you are so unfairly deprived of and that you so much deserve. And I want you to know that I have an especially loving place in my heart for you when you are scared or sad or mad or ashamed. You can always come to me and tell me about such feelings and I will be with you and try to soothe you until those feelings run their natural course. I want to become your best friend, and I will always try to protect you from unfairness and humiliation. I will always seek friends for you who genuinely like you and who are truly on your side. We will only befriend people who are fair, who treat us with equality and respect, and who listen to us as much as we listen to them. I want to help you learn that it is really good to have needs and desires. It's wonderful that you have feelings. It's healthy to be mad and sad and scared and depressed at times. 
It's natural to make mistakes, and it's okay to feel good too, and even to more, uh, and even to have more fun than mom and dad did. God damn! Could you imagine if a parent said that to you? I'd be like, "Are you smoking crack? What's up? What's the caveat? Do I gotta work for you? What's happening?" <laughs> Tells you how I was raised. Uh, okay. That's yeah. That's isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? All right, let's talk about self-mothering. I'm going to skip around a little. The most essential task of self-mothering is restoring the individual to a deeply felt sense of that he is lovable and deserves to be loved. Y'all, I just had this other epiphany. Not an epi- I mean, it's not an original thought, but you know straight guys like the Fuckboy Friday guys? There's like a sliver, a chunk of them, of the straight male population that just, you're like, oh, you hate women. It makes sense. Their moms are probably cunts. Not that that's an excuse because you got to fix it. You gotta fix it. You gotta fix it, okay? But that's interesting. Ooh, okay. Anyway, I continue. Self-mothering is the practice of actively and passively loving the inner child in all his mental, emotional, and energetic states. Self-mothering is based on the precept that unconditional love is every child's birthright. As mother to myself, I am eternally committed to relating to myself from a compassionate point of view. God, I didn't get any of that. I strive to give my inner child an experience of a completely non-defended relationship with another human being. Ooh, what's that like? Self-mothering proceeds most effectively from the realization that self-punishment is counterproductive. Oh, cool. Self-mothering is a hearty refusal to indulge self-hatred. Jesus Christ, that's good. (laughs) Understanding and gentle guidance. Guidance are more effective than self-rejecting in achieving self-discipline and remedying self-destructive behavior. We enhance our self-mothering skills by imaginatively, imaginatively, hmm, second time's a charm, creating a safe space in our hearts where our inner children are always welcome. This may help the inner child discover for the first time that it is possible to have a friendship with another that is not empty or dangerous. Oh, that's good. I'm that that's I mean I'm not like that with friends anymore but with I think I'm just scared of men cuz I'm like you're all dangerous. You're all ticking time bombs. No thank you. Consistent tenderness welcomes the child into the adult body he now inhabits and shows him that it is now a nurturing place protected by a warm and powerful adult. One of Nathaniel Brandon's clients spoke about this as follows. All the year, all these years, I've tried to be an adult by denying the child I once was. I was so ashamed and hurt and angry, but I truly felt like an adult for the first time when I took her in my arms and accepted her as part of me. Ooh, cute. Another essential task of self-mothering involves offering the inner child the opportunity to speak unashamedly about any and all aspects of her experience. And that's what I was doing in that workshop, y'all, but it was about a specific topic. But still, it's good to do. You are invited to initiate this process right now with a written exercise in which you ask your inner child to write a message to you with your non-dominant hand. Oh, I'm glad he talks about this. Um, I forgot about that part. This, this is a really, this is a, a lot of child, psych- or a lot of psychology, psychologists have talked about accessing your inner child by writing whatever hand that you write with. That's how, that's how you can ask questions to your inner child and you respond as your inner child, and you don't have to do anything, all you have to do is put the pen or pencil in your non-dominant hand and just write. Just fucking write. I know it sounds weird. It works. It's a little freaky, but it's very interesting. Where was I? Now I gotta find my spot. 
Oh. Uh, you are invited to initiate this process right now with a written exercise in which you ask your inner child to write a message to you with your non-dominant hand. You can further elicit her by writing something supportive back to her with your dominant hand. If you do this a few times a week for 20 minutes or so, it will not be long before you have established a therapeutic dialogue with your inner child. With practice, nurturing conversations can take place anywhere, anytime, in the privacy and safety of your own psyche. That is a fucking great tool. I remember the first time I ever was introduced to that concept was in this book when I read it years ago. And I wrote, and I, one of the things I wrote down from my non-dominant hand, my inner child, <laughs> it was, I wrote, I didn't even know what I was writing. And then I looked down and it, and it said, you need to love me better. And I was like, oh man, I do need to love you better. <laughs> it was really sad. But that was the old me. It was sad and very true. Most inner children initially need to spend significant amounts of time going over and grieving the detailed memories of their abuse and abandonment. They usually need a great deal of permission to complain, cry, and blame. You got all the permission you want, Christina. Thank you. When inner children are not shamed or rejected for uh, catharding, they eventually feel safe enough to talk about other lost aspects of themselves, such as their dreams, needs, desires, joys, and enthusiasms. Most of us inevitably slip back into treating our inner children as poorly as our parents did. This happens quite frequently in early recovery, but is usually remedi remediable. Remediable. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the word at all. Remediable. Y'all, thank you for being patient with me throughout this journey of me learning to read out loud. It is just what a time, you know? This happens quite frequently in early recovery, but is usually remediable through the apologizing process described in Chapter 12. Well, you're going to have to get the book for that. Because every child is born with tremendous emotional flexibility, <clears throat> sincere and effective apologies usually restore their trust on those occasions where un when unconscious repetitions of parents' harsh judgments have forced them back into hiding. So that basically means you're going to fuck up again. And then you're going to, you know, you're going to be in the kitchen. You go, you stupid fucking idiot. And then your inner child's like, well, I'm going into my room and not coming back for 12 years. And you're like, I'm sorry. And then she's like, okay, maybe I'll come back. You know, it's, it's so don't, don't take it as a total loss. Self-fathering. Ooh, spooky. Ultimately, love is self-approval. Sandra Ray. Well, that's, that makes sense. Children ab abandoned either psychologically or in actuality enter adulthood lacking any deep sense that the world is a safe and protective place. Scott Peck. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, Scott. We should date. While self-mothering focuses primarily on healing the wounds of neglect, self-fathering heals the wounds of abuse. Self-fathering gestates assertiveness and self-protection. It includes confronting external or internal abuse and standing up for the child's rights. One of my favorite self-fathering exercises is the time machine rescue operation. Sounds like a name Donald Trump came up with. <laughs> Aren't you guys so glad he's not president anymore? Anyway, sorry. I have used it many times to fight off the impending paralysis of emotional flashbacks. At such times, I tell my inner child that if time travel is ever possible, I will travel back into the past and put a stop to my parents' abusiveness. In the course of this, I say things like, quote, I will grab mom and dad's arm and pin them behind their backs the second they try to strike you. I will muffle them with a gag so they can't scream at you or even mumble their criticisms. 
I'll put bags over their heads so they can't frown or glare at you. I'll make them go to bed right after dinner without dessert. I'll do anything you want me to do to protect you. Well, shit. That sounds nice. A little, a little scary, but nice, I guess. It's a little scary, though. So that's my, my therapist will always ask me, like, you know, if I'm describing somebody, usually my mom, that I'm mad at. And like, what do you want to do? Like, you want to punch him? Like, how would you punch him? With what hand? And I'm like, well, whoa, whoa, doc, doc. Yeah, slow your roll. I'm not going to punch anybody. And she's like, no, it's a natural human fight or flight. You know, the fight or flight part, the fight part of the fight or flight. You know, usually you just run away, but you can also fight. <laughs> so describing what you would do to physically, you know, prevent somebody to hurt from hurting you can be helpful. It's just thoughts. It never ceases to amaze me how much imagery usually provides an exit out of fear and shame and sometimes even makes my inner child laugh in delight. I sometimes finish this exercise by telling my inner child that I would also report my parents to the authorities so they could be sent to counseling to become better parents. Or I say that if I could, I would take him back to live with me in the future before all those horrible things could happen to him. I remind him that he, in fact, lives in the present with me now where I will always do my best to protect him. I've had many of these conversations. Uh, and a lot of them come, came through meditating, where all of a sudden I just felt like I was five again. And I was just like, I fe- it's wild. But I saw, I remember one time I was sitting in the bath, my bathtub downstairs when I turned it into an art installation. So there was all these weird lights and stuff in my bathtub. So I was there smoking weed, duh. And I was, I was meditating and then I, was, I just saw, I just, I just felt my five-year-old self sitting on the other end of the tub and I was just crying I mean weeping y'all weeping and I was saying all kinds of things like I'll never let them hurt you all that shit I've done a lot of work on myself when you consistently show your inner child that she is really safe and fully welcome to every in every aspect of her being she will become more and more alive and self-expressive as she experiences you consistently rising to her defense, she will feel free enough to reclaim the emotionality that fuels her innate spiritedness, playfulness, curiosity, and flexibility. And also, too, God, this is so relevant to what I said at the beginning of this episode. When my brother was telling me, eh, Mom, don't want to sell the house. I go, I, that was me being my inner father going, no, they're not going to do that because I see what they're doing and I'm not allowing them to hold this over my head because they're sad I'm not talking to them. That is absolutely ridiculous. It's immature and it will not happen because guess what? I own 50% of the house. They own 25 each. So we're not going to we're not going to victimize ourselves into moving to another state because you're upset that I'm not talking to you. We're going to figure out a way to lovingly communicate and respect each other. And I said that. And honestly, as I said that, I was like, God damn, Christina, who are you these days? And I was like, I don't fucking know. Isn't that nice? Okay, how much different is uh, is this approach is uh, to fathering is when compared to the traditional approach that Albert Einstein warned against? <clears throat> and this is the quote from Albert Einstein. It is, in fact, nothing short of a miracle that the modern method of instruction have not yet entirely strangled the holy curiosity of inquiry. For this delicate little plant, aside from stimulation, stands mostly in need of freedom Without this, it goes to wreck and ruin without fail. It is a very grave mistake to think that the enjoyment of seeing and searching can be promoted by means of coercion and a sense of duty. Holy shit, he's just a smart motherfucker. 
Do you know Albert Einstein developed the theory of relativity in quarantine? When the fucking flu was happening? I'm like, well, Jesus Christ. Good for you. Reparenting and reforgiving the inner child fosters authentic experiences of self-forgiveness. Once we understand how terribly abandoned the child was, we can we cannot help but have compassion for him or her. Or they or them. This compassion sometimes moves us to wonder about our parents' childhood. As we understand the hardships of their upbringing, we sometimes feel like their childhood tra- uh, travails are extenuating circumstances that allow us to forgiveness, uh, feel forgiveness towards them. The relationship of extenuating circumstances to forgiveness is explored in the next chapter. And, you know, you can read that on your goddamn own, okay? Because... We're not going to do that. I'm going to end it on a very positive note because I'm allergic to negativity and I love positivity. Okay, I'm going to read two things, actually, because it's my podcast. It's my rules. Um, Appendix B and Appendix C of this book. Appendix B. I feel like I'm a lawyer. Exhibit A. The Human Bill of Rights of Self-Expression. I adapted and expanded from the Bill of Assertive Human Rights in Manuel J. Smith's When I Say No, I Feel Guilty. (laughs) That's a book for me. And the Bill of Rights uh, in Gravitz and Bowden's Recovery, A Guide for Adult Children of Alcoholics. So this is um, the Bill of a Human Expression Bill of Rights. I have the right to be listened to with respect. And that's all of y'all listening to this. That's you. Do you. That's you and me and all of us. Woohoo. I have the right to say no, to set limits, and to determine my own boundaries. I have the right to make mistakes. I have the right to have my own needs, feelings, opinions, beliefs, interests, and preferences. I have the right to like what I like and want what I want. I have the right to change my mind. I have the right to decide on a different course of action. I have the right to negotiate for change. I love that one. I have the right to ask for emotional support or help, accepting that there are limits on how much I can expect from anyone except myself. I have the right to feel angry and to express it in non-abusive ways. I have the right to protect, to protest sarcasm, destructive criticism, and unfair treatment. I have the right to refuse to become involved in another's problems. Ooh, that's a good one. I need to tattoo that on my goddamn forehead. I have the right to feel ambivalent and to sometimes think or act paradoxically. I have the right to sometimes do nothing, to waste time, and to refuse to be governed by the pressure to always be productive. Shit, I gotta write that one down. I gotta like tattoo that on my tongue or something. I have the right to be illogical in safe ways. I have the right to play and occasionally, and to occasionally be childlike and immature. Or if you're like your girl, a lot of childlike all the time. I have the right to complain about my own troubles and about existential unfairness of life. Woof, thank God, that's the theme of this podcast. (laughs) I have the right to make my own decisions and to refuse unsolicited advice. I have the right to move at a relaxed pace whenever practical. I have the right to succeed and to be proud of my accomplishments. I have the right to like myself and value my uniqueness. I have the right to say, I don't know, I don't understand, or I don't care. I have the right to follow or disregard the suggestions in this book. (laughs) See, that's how you can tell someone's not full of shit. If they tell you, look, if you don't like, you might not, this might not help you. Or like, maybe I'm wrong. I just never trust somebody who acts like they're always right. Or if you try to challenge them on what they say, they get fucking like upset. That's creepy.
It's not a cult I want to be a part of. Oh, I thought someone was in my house, but it was my fart machine because my book accidentally laid on it. And then um, this is, I'm going to end this. I'm going to end this the way I ended the mommy issues class that I did or the space that I held or whatever the fuck we're going to call it. Um, this is affirmations for reparenting the inner child and it, and it's towards the inner infant, inner toddler, inner preschooler, and inner school child. And I, you know, I read these and I'm like, wait, do parents really say this shit to their kids? That's crazy. What the fuck? What? Huh? Who implanted a chip in them? What happened? What's happening? But when I read these, I want you to know that I'm talking to you. Okay. This is your inner parent. My voice reading these affirmations for reparenting your inner child. Really take these to heart, okay? Infant, welcome to the world. I'm so glad you were born. You are absolutely perfect, even if you can't spell right or pronounce things right, just as you are. I'm glad you are a boy. I'm glad you are a girl. I'm glad you are a human being. You are a delight to behold. You are a gift to the world. I love who you are. Toddler, all of your feelings are okay with me. You can be interested in everything. I love to watch you explore. I'm always glad to see you. You can do things as many times as you'd like. You can like what you like and want what you want. I like it when you say no. I like it when you let me know if I hurt your feelings. You can go off on your own or be with me as much as you like. It's okay for you to be angry, and I won't let you hurt yourself or others when you are. I love who you are. Preschooler. I love how you speak, and I love to listen to you. I love how you sing and dance. I like how you think for yourself. You can think and feel at the same time. You can make mistakes. They are your teachers. You can know what you need and ask for help. You can ask as many questions as you like. That's good because I got a lot. You can have your own preferences and tastes. You are a delight to my eyes. I love who you are. School child, it is always a joy to see you and be with you. It is wonderful to converse with you. You can trust your intuition to help you make choices. I love how you have your own ideas and opinions. You can choose your own values. I love how you ask for what you want and need. You can pick your own friends and you don't have to like everyone. Ooh, cool. You can learn when and how to disagree. You can be fair with yourself and others. You can sometimes feel confused and ambivalent and not know all the answers. I am very proud of you. I love who you are. Wasn't that nice? <laughs> Guys, this was a nice little... The, I, this, is, this is how I wanted to end. Feel your feelings, January. You know? There's still a couple days left in the month. If you're doing the sober thing the whole month, fucking right on! If anything, commit to just fucking feeling feelings as they come up. You know? That's the best thing you can do for yourself. And observe and go, isn't that curious, huh? Uh, please, re re can you rate and review me on iTunes? Do you have it in your heart? Do you have it in your heart, mister, to go on the iTunes podcast app and give me a highest number of stars for my inner stars, please? 
Um, yeah, I love you guys. Congrats on not killing yourself. Seriously, I got my new short film. Uh, it's called Happy Corona Birthday. It's just a sweet little little thing and it stars me and Kevin McAllister Hutchinson and I really love it it's on my YouTube page it's also on my Instagram page follow me on all social media at Christina Hutch K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A Hutch and you know if this podcast is helpful for you share it with a friend and maybe it'll be helpful for them too and you'll be part of the chain that makes the world a better place All right, guys talk to you next Wednesday Oh, my.